HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, featuring spectacular plant displays and inspiring public programs year-round. Learn more at bbg.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at Heritage Radio Network. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from, you know, I don't know, I really don't know anymore, I really don't, till about 1 o'clock from Roberto's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Nastasia the Hammer Lopez is not here yet because she has been detained by the L train. So, uh, Matthew, uh, how you doing? Uh, yeah, good. I just got trolled by the chat. It started auto-playing our own feed. We were going to be looped for eternity. Well, so I'm sure Matthew will edit this out of, like, whatever happens in the internet in the future, but... Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, someone or somehow we had looped our, uh, the... What, what, what did we call that, the, the commercial before the thing? Uh, pre-roll. Yeah, the pre-roll got looped into some sort of, like... I kind of liked it. I think you should go full Frere Jacques on that. Uh, you know, maybe I will. I can stack them in the in the post. We get, it'll be like three minutes of just twelve copies of that. Yeah, and like you know the what, what what's the actual line? Do you remember something and more? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then it looped in, and you had it like right at the correct. No, it was it was the timing was good. It was sick, um, man. Yeah, everybody likes short bursts of rounds, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, like. Like, I can tolerate about 25 seconds of, of Frere Jacques once it's all in, right? Oh, like, man, wait. Are we going to make you a, a round version of uh, Classics in the Field theme? Oh, my God. Well, no, because Classics in the Field is such a short thing. How can, You can't. You need at least. I mean, we need a couple more lines. You need to flesh out the lyrics here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, for those of you who know, like, whenever we come up with a song, it's always just, like, the one line, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Well, since we're speaking of songs, since we're waiting for Nastasia to show up before we begin with actual cooking issues. Oh, and if you have a, a cooking issue, you can call in your questions to 718 Is that right, Matt? Um, yes, that is right. right. 718 And in fact, someone knows the number because I'm talking to her. All right. right now. Well, let's take the call. I mean, 
I was going to talk about my lack of understanding of Neil Diamond's Cracklin', Cracklin' Rosie song, which I've listened to my whole life and just was listening to on the way over. And I was like, the lyrics were kind of making me mad. Uh, well, we can get back into that after. All right, let's this do this. Is. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave. How's it going? going Josh right? from Norfolk here. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Um, I'm recently getting big into uh, charcoal grilling, and I feel like I remember you talking about the pros and cons of like hardwood charcoal versus lump a few weeks ago, and I was wondering if you could go into some more detail. All right, I will. Um, so we had uh, – I don't know how long ago that was, Matthew. I'm not sure. But we had uh, Meathead, uh, Meathead Goldwyn on, right? And Meathead is a believer in, uh, in kind of compressed, kind of briquette-style uh, charcoal, right? And he's like, it was, it's more, uh, what's the word he, he uses? He says it's more uh, uniform, which I guess is true. Uh, anyway, he like, and he says he, you know what's in it as opposed to the wood that's made in, in hardwood charcoal. So then uh, after I... We had that conversation on the on the air. I went and bought a sack of, you know, not the vile stuff that's impregnated with garbage, but like, you know, the uh, standard briquettes. I believe I purchased Kingsford, and I tried using them, and I have to say I hate them. Uh, I just don't like them. Uh, you know, and this is not a scientific me talking. It's just I hated using them. Uh, I... Uh, yeah, uh, like the the kind of so I I use uh, hardwood uh, charcoal the the brand that I use I even I don't even remember the name it's there's only a couple of brands that that you that are available on the East Coast I use the one in the big red paper sack and uh, I can see the chunks of wood and uh, I don't care that it's not always the same I just I I don't care I just prefer to use it like the stuff. The way it stacks out in my in my chimney, the way it lights up, the way that I understand it, I just like it better. The way it feels, the whole thing about it, I enjoy more. Now, I've also never uh, I've never purchased uh, you know fancy binchotan. So uh, Nastasia's here, by the way. Hold on a second, she's gonna pass right by me. Hold on a second. Oh, she's gonna go behind me. What's up? Hey, Nastasia. Uh, so we were. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about the nasty train. We're talking about charcoal right now. So. Uh, Jeremiah Stone and Fabulous, when we were working in, um, in uh, L.A., Jeremiah was like, well, we're going to need to use the grill, so uh, we're going to get some sort of a uh, binchotan. Remember that? We're like, Jeremiah, crap, suck crap on you. I don't like, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I was, we were just trolling and making fun of him. I think there is a place for, like, super, like, fancy kind of uh, binchotan and binchotan-like. So, for instance, uh, Andy Ricker, uh, a friend of the show, uh, you know, well-known chef, has a line of Thai of Thai made binchotan style charcoal, which is much cheaper than binchotan. So, the the event, Nastasia, that people can hear when you do that, you know. New. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about the fact that they don't trust us to talk anymore, but that's fine. So, like, uh, I think that stuff has a that super expensive stuff also has a place in that. Um, if you're grilling inside and you need something that's relatively smoke-free, the binchotan is good. Maybe it burns at a higher temperature. But the way that I cook now with charcoal is, uh, in general, just like lots of lots of heat. So Meathead Goldwyn may have a point when with briquettes because he's setting up these long snakes and he's doing these like long cooks at low temperatures and he's trying to regulate heat over hours with briquettes. 
And it's just like, that's just not the game I like to play. I just dumped it. I don't enjoy playing that game. So uh, take everything I say with that grain of salt. Like, I like, uh, I like what I like, not necessarily from a scientific standpoint. Matthew, is this making sense? It is, in fact, making All sense. All right. Uh, Devin on the chat weighed in. He, well, you didn't like the yeah, Kingsford. Awesome. Um, and, so, and then, whoop. real quick, uh, what oh. has been your experience with carrying a Spinzol on domestic flights? Oh, it's fine. So... Uh, Get a if you if get a similar to uh, five eleven tactical rush twenty four bag similar you don't have to buy that one that bag is rather heavy but a spinzol just fits my only gripe with the five eleven is that uh, it doesn't fully clamshell so it's kind of hard to shimmy to shimmy 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 the spinzol into it um, but you can fit it into that and then you can pad it with like clothes and all your other paraphernalia. And a 5.11 tactical with a spinzol in it exactly fits. You have to kind of like push it, but it exactly fits into every overhead bin that I've ever uh, tried to work with. The problem is you, you don't want to ever put it into a rolly because if you put it into a rolly and you show up, unless you're group one, your rolly is going to like has a good chance of getting checked. And a spinzol in checked luggage when it doesn't have a lot of padding is going to get cracked. I just, I happened yeah, to me. Yeah, sounds like I, a nightmare. Yeah, I was carrying one once, and I put it in a rolly, and the, you know, the flight person was like, you're going to have to check that. I was like, you don't understand. I can't check this. Like, my whole business is, this is when we were just in prototypes. I was like, literally, my business is here. This is my whole business. You're asking me to check my entire business. And she was like, yeah, I don't care about you. And so she, uh, she took the thing and checked, and sure enough, broken. Um, so I would always backpack it. And it fits. Um, uh, you know, if you can literally, you could just put it into any sort of sack and have it as your carry-on, and, and, it, and it will fit. But it doesn't fit with a lot of extra packing. So it's it's about you placing it in the overhead uh, on your own. But I've done it many times, even internationally. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Cool. Uh, what were you saying, Matthew? Um, you caught me eating this Tate's cookie that I found in the green room. Uh, what am I doing? Devin, the dude, says something, and I can't find it. He said that uh, you didn't even like the Kingsfords, and he says he bought some Embers brand briquettes at, eight, at Home Depot recently since they were cheap. Internet says they might be seconds quality Royal Oak briquettes. He does not recommend. They were way ashier than the Kingsford and tons of smoke during lighting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, a lot of things, look, people who are interested, I, I'm sure he's changed his, uh, I'm going to give you another example. So years and years ago, Alton Brown, great, you know, great influence in the food world, Alton Brown. Uh, Ariel Johnson is, you know, friend of the show, is his uh, first science officer now on, on, on the program. So all love to Alton Brown. Years ago, Alton Brown tried to tell not just me, but the entire world that the best way to cook bacon is in the oven. And that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just... That's just not true. And this is exactly why that's not true. He said, uh, when you cook bacon in the oven, it cooks evenly. Do you understand what I'm saying, people? He said, it's better because when you put bacon in the oven, it cooks evenly. Now I ask you, I ask you, whenever you are at a restaurant, now on a burger, fine. But when you are eating bacon, when you are eating bacon as bacon, not on a sandwich, whatever. 
Would you rather have that perfectly flat, board stiff, one doneness piece of bacon that is just kind of there as a stick and you pick it up and it's typically dry and whatever? Or would you rather have a traditional pan fried piece of bacon that has some parts of it more done, some parts of it less done, a little bit of that soft yielding bubble where the fat came up off the pan and didn't cook very much, and another part that's a little crispy because it hit the pan more. Would you rather have that? And no, the that's answer nostalgic. It's not nostalgic, it's a taste thing. I like I like variation in my bacon. So the very fact that a bacon piece of bacon cooks more evenly in an oven might be great if you're doing bacon for burgers. However, it does not make the best eating bacon, in my opinion. And so, like, this idea of evenness as being the be-all and end-all of what we're shooting for, not really true, I think. I think what, what you're searching for in the kitchen is knowledge and repeatability and consistency time to time and batch to batch, not necessarily 100% pablum, consistency of texture and look across the individual things that you're eating on the plate at one particular time. Is this making sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, nice use of the word pablum. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. We got to pull that out more. I don't know what that is. It's gross. It's just like it's like no taste. Like It's like what a baby first eats, like nom, 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 pablum. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, someone says, uh, how was the food? Mm, uh, all taste is, is a mush. All tasting the same pablum. You know what I mean? Can we market a product as Pablum? Uh, I don't know. I think there might be, I think there might already be a baby's biscuit, like a Unita style biscuit. By the way, Unita biscuit, sick name for a biscuit. And P.S. They taste good. I don't like to let them like disintegrate in my mouth like a teething baby does. But Unita biscuit is not a bad product and a fantastic name. Fantastic name. Uh, All right. So. Uh, on to what you were going to talk about, Nastasia. Matthew no longer trusts us not to spit into his microphone, and so we have these metal spit guards. Oh, that's what they are? It's not you two. <laughs> Won't say who it is. Won't say who it is, huh. but we're narr- we've narrowed it down to 33 hosts. <laughs> oh, wow. um, no, I, w- I would have Nastasia teach a class on mic technique. <laughs> oh, you would? On yeah, how, yeah, yeah. On how to lean, lean back. As far <laughs> away back. from the microphone as you can be while still being lean in the same back. room. Yeah, we got to get, I think, uh, I think Fat Joe lives in the neighborhood maybe, or used to. Now, now he's in the Bronx. Yeah, he's in the Bronx, I think. Get him to come sing lean back so, for Nastasia's microphone technique. Yo, where's my, my uh, okay, here we go. Uh, so, uh, we don't have any questions, people. <laughs> Sad. Sad. We're dumb, though. We're real dumb. We're stupid, uh, but the lack of questions... You know, we get sad. We have feelings. Right, Nastasia? Yeah. Not really. Oh, I know what we were going to talk about real quick. You, Nastasia hates me talking about Neil Diamond, so maybe I won't. Ugh. But I don't understand. I think, because there's one song that everyone thinks, like, you have your song, I have my song, that should be erased from the musical dictionary forever and ever. You want to say what it Sweet is? Caroline, I think. Okay. For me. What is your song? Uh, I, don't, I've, I, I don't know. Like, every time I, I know my wife's song. What is it? She, uh, Walking on Sunshine. She hates oh, that yeah, song. Oh, yeah, I know she hates that song. She hates yeah. that song. I have another person I know that will leave the room if pulling muscles from a shell comes Oh, on. wow. What about you, Matt? Uh, I'm going to double down on Sweet Caroline. Mm. I just can't mm-hmm. deal. Especially when a crowd oh, is no, chanting no, no, to it. No, I just no, do no, not no, like no, that. No, 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 no. Are you guys both the I hate things that people like people? No, that just reminds Sometimes. me of St. Patrick's Day what? weddings that are 
boring. Red Sox games. Okay, okay, okay. It's not a bad song. Please don't jump on me. But if it was punishable with a short jail sentence, I would say that you should punish the playing of Brown Eyed Girl at Weddings. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. This brown eyed girl. Brown eyed girl. You can't dance to that song. Yeah, but do you all, remember all when all I liked to dance at with, weddings? With brown eyes. Oh, also tell them how we were banned from dancing. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, let me get this. So, like, first of all, someone please explain to me a non-horrible meaning behind Cracklin Rose. Cra- Listen, Cracklin Rose is a store-bought woman, but you got me. Wait, wait you like going like a guitar humming. Hang on to me. Hang on to me, our song keeps going on. So what he's saying is, because at a different point in the song, he's like, having a time, listen to this lyric, having a time with a poor man's lady. What the is that? (laughs) And then saying, hey, you're a store-bought woman, i.e. I'm putting you down. Hang on to me, because I'm going somewhere. I I like having a good time. You, You keep me humming, but really I'm the one in charge. Hang on to me. Our songs going on, unpleasant, and I love Neil Diamond, Traveling but unpleasant. Traveling salesman, whatever song I like. Traveling salesman. Um, Brother loves traveling salvation show. Love it, love it. Traveling salvation show. Grab the old ladies. What? That shit's. Uh, sorry, that stuff's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> grab the old ladies. <laughs> grab the old ladies. What are you gonna do with them? Pack up the babies. Pack up the babies and grab the old ladies. Everyone knows. Wait, tell them about your band from dancing. What? Oh, so we went to a place. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to name it because I don't name places. We're also not going to say who we were with or any of that stuff. Okay. I won't even give like the normal hints that I normally give. We threw a party for a band. We threw a party for a band. It was fun. We had a fun time, as Wesley Willis would say. (laughs) Uh, And we're there. And so Nastasia and I, first of all, here's something people don't, don't, like, don't get me started. (laughs) Seriously, like, seriously, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like 48, sure, right? <laughs> and, you know. No, you said your, in the previous episode, you said your funk motor is not broken. It's not broken. It takes longer to start, right? <laughs> it's not true, David. It's like an old crank, it's like an old crank car from the 20s. We were at a concert before, and Dave was the only one headbanging. Okay, so check this out. We're at this place, uh, we're at this place called Elsewhere in Brooklyn, and we're on the roof. Yeah, 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 we're on the roof. And so Nastasia, in typical Nastasia form, is like, crap on this. We're, we're going up front. Now, me, as a woman, you, you know, as a woman, woman no one's going to, like, punch her. They give her bad looks, mm-hmm. but no one's going to punch her. But she gets mad at me for not, like, zooming in behind her while she is, like, throwing elbow checks to all the people who have been there waiting, right? Yeah. Prepping so, them to be really mad with you. Oh, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> So anyway, so finally, I, I'm like, mm, sorry. Mm, mm. I literally had to say, see that crazy person who just plowed through you? I have to follow her. Oh, that's what and you the, said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And the guy was like, okay. And so like, I went in. So we end up on, there's these benches surrounding the main, you know, area. And they have these, this wire, like wire fence, right? But not like, like, like a cable fence yeah. that has a lot of bounce to it. So we realize that we can stand on this like narrow bench, but if we loop our hands over the fence, we can s- seriously headbang. And we did. And <laughs> we did. And no one else did. 
No one else. It's also, yeah, whatever. Anyway, it was a headbanging song. It was a headbanging song. I stopped headbanging in the night. It's one of those songs that's like, you know, you know, and during the jugga junks, right? We went for it. We went for it because I know, I know from experience that when you go full jugga junk junk, you want someone in the audience yeah. to go for it. You were doing a service. Yes. You're in the hospitality industry. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's part of the, there it people. This is where Peter Kim from the Museum of Food and Drink is wrong. Yeah. There is, and even though Wyatt Cenac, we met Wyatt Cenac, or I've met him a couple times, but we, he was at the MoFad Gala. Did we talk about this on the air? Yeah. Yeah, and so Wyatt Cenac, famous comedian, does not believe that there is a social contract between the viewer and the comedian. That is all on the comedian to do a good job and make the, make the guest laugh, right? Or smile or whatever. I disagree. I think there's always a sort of contract. If you want the best performance from a band, let them know that you like it. Right? <laughs> yeah, we were the only ones, though. We were the only ones. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of people letting you know they like it, you have a caller on the air. Oh, sweet. We hope they like it. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, how's it going? Going well. Awesome. Um, so I'm calling in from uh, southern Germany, actually. Uh, and I, uh, it's just about... Uh, Vazen or Oktoberfest season. Yeah. Steht es jetzt ein ein Hofbräuhaus ein zwei Suffe in München steht ein Hofbräuhaus. What? No, like I'm I'm actually not. So I'm not uh, in Munich. I'm in southwest right Germany right. near Stuttgart. Right. Yeah. So actually, for us, it's the it's the Vazen, the the sort of festival that they do here. Yeah. I don't know if you. Well, anyway. I've never been to anyway, Stasia's bin and has a dirndl. It's great. Nastasia owns a dirndl, and if you guys are very nice to her, maybe she'll post a picture of herself in the dirndl. I only wear, um, what's it called? Under it. She wears long johns with reindeer on it under the dirndl. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, actually, I was, uh, I was told to buy mine today, my lederhosen, and there's, there's no way I'm going to do that. But Oh, well, um, lederhosen I'm is cool, man. One, but that's, well, maybe, but I don't, really, uh, I don't really feel like wearing leather... Uh, anyway, no, right, hey. uh, but that's also an Oktoberfest thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, uh, so my problem that I was having was I wanted to try and cook something as like a little snack or something that we could kind of eat. And so I bought some pork belly, mm. and it has the bones in, the ribs. Mm. And try as I might, I couldn't find anything for everything. You know, as you search, you kind of go through, and it says like, oh, yeah, do pork belly, do this, or oh, you're going to do ribs, do that. And I couldn't find anything that really gave me a clear answer on a fun way to cook pork belly with the ribs and i was wondering if you could kind of like lean me towards one direction or another it's got like, the the ribs or the cartilage pieces or both both so it's extending into the so you have the whole that whole plate section it's almost like it's almost like the whole side flitch up to how, how long up into the into the ribs is it uh well probably not that very far i wouldn't be able to tell right now i have it at home instead of on me um but i wouldn't go super super far i don't think it's crazy big right i mean crazy long into it so i I mean i would just i mean my favorite pork bellies are like you know wiley's old pork belly at wd50 but you know it takes that takes a long time so he used to he would first cure it with uh he would he would use a little bit of um nitrites on it and then he would uh he would like salt, salt, I think salt and sugar in, in vac, press that down, let that 
go for a couple of days in cure. Then he would low temp it for 72 hours. Then he would crisp the skin up. And you could do the same even with the, still got the skin on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could do that. That's delicious. That's firmer. And then you could slice it. If, you, if there's a little area of the bone you could French out, you then could have little handles on it that people could pick up, right, which might be fun. Because that way of cooking the pork belly leaves it uh, moist and uh, tender but, but still liftable, i.e. like not completely gelatinous, right? Like another thing is, is like, yeah. you know, bones be damned. Ain't nothing better than like, uh, you know, Tung Po style, like braised, like Chinese style braised pork, uh, you know, if you want to do it in kind of, in kind of that, in that, in that fashion, right? Uh, another thing, mm-hmm. like if you're going to be in, in Germany, you could almost do like a, like a Schweinhoxer version where you do like a, like you do a relatively long you salt it and stuff, do like a long braise on it and then deep, you know, cut it into pieces that gang with the little handle, deep fry those suckers and serve them Schweinhoxer style because everybody likes that. Are you familiar with yeah, the like- American uh, invention of the Midwest called pig wings? No, no, I'm not. Pig wings are like mini Schweinhoxer where they, they at the, at the butcher, uh, sorry, at the packing plant, they, they take some, like uh, one of the bones uh, in the legs, a smaller one, and make like mini Schweinhoxer with it, so that they're they're like. Remember we had those yeah, in Milwaukee. Those them. things are sick. Mm-hmm. I, for those of you that have never had Schweinhoxer, it's the best. It's one of my favorite pork. It's just it's just a pork extravaganza. You like that stuff? People in Germany love that stuff, right? You like that stuff, don't you? Yeah, no, but that's yeah. And that's what I was kind of going for. I was like, well, how can I make something that would kind of be like that? You know. Because yeah, I know that they love it here. So yeah, I mean, the only, I think that would work. I mean, the the issue is, is that the the advantage of the way that Wiley was doing it is the disadvantage of like Tungpo what? pork style is that the that the the skin stays kind of gelatinous and gooey, which is delicious, right? But it's not going to give you that mm-hmm. crackling. Going back to the word crackling, that crackling like hit that you get off of like a Schweinhoxer. But, you know, we used to do pork belly, yeah. doing that kind of long and low, whether you do a traditional braise or not, then cool it down, cool it down, and then crackle, render out the, the skin down almost like a duck breast. And that is good. That tastes good. Uh, or you could do the, the prickle and like a, a little bit of basicity to make sure it browns and then broil crackle it. And then you'll get more of those kind of blisters that you get um, on the skin in a more blistered pig sitch. The problem with deep frying the yeah. pork belly entire is that um, you will most likely, by the time the skin gets crispity, crackly good, you most likely will overcook relatively large portions of the meat. Yeah, it was something I'd like to avoid, if I could. I mean, right. I you, think doing it whole would be kind of hard as well. Uh, what do you mean, frying it whole? large of a deep fryer. Um, yeah, I don't think I could fry it whole. Yeah, so like the way to fry things, uh, I mean, I can't, rec- uh, sorry, I can't recommend it. It's not safe at all. What, what the hell am I yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, I was going to yeah. say like, like don't, don't ever do this, but like, okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, uh, yeah. But, okay. But there are ways to do, for instance, relatively large, shallow fries with baste over so that you can fry okay. just the bottom of it in kind of a shallow fry situation and then do like a hot oil baste over to rewarm the top and that'll allow you to cook the skin more in a deep frying but 
most of those involve extreme risks of oil fire. Yep, and he's not going to do them, so... And no. self-immolation. Yep, thank you. Speaking as someone who has immolated themselves on more than one occasion. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and by um, the way, sorry. I'll say one of my yeah. life goals is to never catch on fire again. That's good. I'm like at again, least halfway through point. my life now, and I'm going to say... Dave, you don't even know when your life is going to end. I, I, know that, I know that I'm not going to make it past 96. Anyway, point being that... I mean, maybe I will, but I mean, odds are not. My point being that, like, I just hope that my catching on fire days are behind me. I think it's like, it's, yep. it's, I can ask for that at this point in my life. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I hope for it for you too. Thank hey, you. just before, um, nope. what was the temperature that you were going at for 72? Hours? Oh, geez. Uh, I don't remember. Somewhere in the low 60s, I think we did. Low so, 60s? So low okay. 60s. So I, I have to look for... it up. It's been many years since I've done a 72-hour pork belly. I can... It's, it's, in Wiley, it's in Wiley's uh, cookbook. So if you have the okay, WD-50 cookbook, yeah, check it out. The recipe's in there. Okay, perfect. Thank cool. you so much. All right. Are you enjoying this show? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Luke Griffin, and I'm the host of Bushwick Podcast. Each week, we share the remarkable stories of how artists, activists, and entrepreneurs collide in Bushwick a special Brooklyn neighborhood that's changing faster by the day. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, featuring spectacular plant displays and inspiring public programs year-round. Harvest Homecoming, an old-school fall foliage festival, comes to Brooklyn Botanic Garden on Sunday, October 20th. Celebrate cider season with New York cider houses and kombucha makers, bringing hard and soft ciders and fermented drinks to try or buy. A pop-up farmer's market will feature heritage apples from local orchards. Groove to the sounds of fresh Americana music and world beats throughout the day. Bring your friends and family and make a day of it with hay rides, lawn games, a children's Halloween costume parade, and more all in the heart of Brooklyn. Learn more about Brooklyn Botanic Garden at bbg.org. So to go back just briefly to what Nastasia was saying before, Damn we man. go into this place. <laughs> we go into this place. Well, your funk motor is already like at what speed? Oh, well, we had been at a concert already, right? right. So I'm already primed. Then we went to a the bar. pump already has liquid in yeah, it. Yeah. I'm in a constant. <laughs> so we show up and I'm like, you know what, Nastasia? 3 a.m. also. Yeah. I'm like, you know what, Nastasia? I hate this place. And Nastasia's yeah. like, yeah, 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 whatever. And they start playing really good music, yeah. including, as we all know, that I enjoy Travis Scott. Yep. They start playing some Travis Scott. They start playing, like, you know, some older hip hop that I know, some like Biggie, this kind of stuff. I'm like, all right. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so like, we're going. And then they make us move to a different spot. So we keep dancing. So we keep dancing in the different spot. And then they're about to start their, their floor show, right? Which and so this guy comes in. This guy comes in, an American dude, in his best Russian oligarch outfit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and you know, if you're a Russian oligarch, you could pull it off. If you're just some, like, 25-year-old American guy, don't try it. You know what I'm saying? He comes up, he's like, I need, I need these spots for my people. And like shoes us out. So then he, as he does this to to to, to us, Nastasia goes, "I hate this! <laughs> I hate this!" Like out loud in, in the club, like super loud. 
and just keeps repeating that. And I was like, you know what, Nastasia, I've never been more proud of you in my whole life. And we, and we walked out. Yeah, we We're like, you know what? No, we watched the show and then we walked I watched out. like five minutes of the show. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, I'm not shocked. I don't care. And I we mean, left. I mean, a little bit shocked. You well, were a little bit shocked. I, I wasn't. defecated on stage. Man, it, whatever. I don't yeah. want to get into it. Yeah. Anyway, point being that, <laughs> point being that, like, I found the, the hospitality wanting. Although, Dave, you don't realize that the bar before we were there, I had to do that to people. I had to be like, no, no, get no. out of these seats. No, no, no. If you have a reserved table, that's okay. a reserved table. Okay. We were told by staff to go to a place and then were ejected from said place okay. twice. Mm-hmm. One, it's like, I, there's another bar I'm not going to name that I will never go to again. Well-regarded bar. Nice place. I will never go there again because I was placed at a seat and then I was made to leave because they made a mistake. Mm. Once someone is seated... Once you have given someone a place, it is their place. It is now your fault, hospitality person. That person is now your guest, and any other thing you need to do, you need to do. You like this? You you can't. Once you give someone a space, it's your fault. What about when there's somebody sitting at a bar and there's two seats on either side, and you have a two top coming in? Do you it, ask them to move down? You can. Like it depends. If you have a good rapport with the guest, right? You can ask them. They're not obligated to do anything. You can ask them if they mind moving over one. If they do move over one, it is then also nice to either give them something something or, you know, VIP them somehow because they have done you a favor because how much obligation do they have to move? Zero! Also, we should give a shout out to... Pablo. Well, we're, we're going to oh, talk about it. Well, we don't have a lot of time because we have well, a lot of Well, also, show. very important question from the chat. Is an oligarch outfit a gaudy suit or some sort of two-piece velour Adidas track suit? Oh, I could be either. This was the former. Good to know. Yeah. Oh, now I'm, I'm kind of wishing this dude had, <laughs> like, the kind of shiny track suit on. Yeah. It's oh. definitely the better option. Okay, let's get yeah. to the other side. All right, so a uh, couple of things. One, uh, last night... We went to uh, the old lightning pop-up at uh, Pepe's underneath Grand Tivoli. And tonight, I don't know if there's still reservations available, but look it up on- online. They're, they're doing a pop-up at Hunky Dory, Claire Sprouse's uh, place in Brooklyn. So here's the deal. So uh, Pablo, how do you pronounce his last name? Moi? Moi. Moi. Yeah. Pablo Moi and uh, Steve Lavigny. Lavigny? I don't, know. I don't know. You're, t- you're, you're t- Italian adjacent. Lavigny, yeah. Lavigny, yeah. So, and his wife. It was great. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so here's what they did. They have a bar in L.A., in Venice, I guess. Is it, is yeah, it considered L.A.? Venice. Yeah. Is that L.A., same? Yeah. Okay. They have a bar, and th- their shtick, Steve and Pablo, is that they travel around, and they find liquor stores. In Southern that, California. And, and No, everywhere. Oh, really? Everywhere. They, some of it's from Southern California. They happen to live in that area, so a lot of it's there. Everywhere that have old bottles of liquor and then they buy it all so like they'll look they'll look on a shelf they'll see an old bottle and they'll be like yo yo we had a conversation with them last night about yo yo you got more of that crappy liquor stores yeah crappy Uh, i'm not going to tell you their secrets but they have a tried and true like oh yeah they look for a trifecta (laughs) i'll give you one of them don't say it don't say it i'll give one don't say it dave no 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 don't say it don't say it it's mean let's give away this no. The secrets, okay, I won't tell you what they are. There are three things. It's very funny. If those three say. things, 
if they call in or some point give us permission to say what those three things are, there are three, they troll neighborhoods. And if they see these three things in conjunction and they are easy to they see people. They know there's a pot at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the rainbow leprechaun sitch and they know they're going to get good bottles. Yeah. So they travel the country and they find these old bottles that, uh, you know, the people are happy to get rid of because they're just sitting there collecting dust and have been for decades. These are decades old bottles, but they're worth like hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars to people who know what they are. So they aggregate these and they have this amazing collection of liquor and they brought it out east for their pop-up. Now, you know what, Dave? When we travel to other places, we should try doing that. And then... But I don't know anything about... No, I, I know. I don't like, know anything. I wouldn't know. see if we can find the trifecta and then, well, then we'll call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like FaceTime them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, because the, the, the fun thing about the bar, right, is like, okay, I, I got to be honest here. I mentally have a problem with spending $8 jillion on something that I'm going to convert from liquid to urine very quickly, right? It's just in mentally, I don't have it in me to enjoy an ex- absurdly expensive sip of liquid. And Nastasia, you're the same way. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we didn't order any of the crazed daisy, crazy, crazy stuff. Some people like, I mean, I understand why people really enjoy doing that. But, uh, but what makes it really fun Really, really fun about, and that was, by the way, I'm such a jerk. I'm such a butt munch. We show up at the thing. Oh my god, yeah. I'm the, we're there with Jack Schramm, uh, you know, uh, Jack Schramm, friend of the show, uh, head bartender, existing conditions, Nastasia Lopez, and myself. And by the way, we went there a week early because <laughs> we got the date wrong. We walk, and we're like, "Is this Pepe's? Where's Pablo? What's going on?" And there's no one there. <laughs> and we're like, "You're a week early, jerk." Uh, so, oh, and by the way. And we should have known that because we saw them in L.A. at our party. And here's what they did. Oh, yeah. Pablo and his wife packed a, uh, uh, what was it, an es- Escalade? Yeah. Or something like an that? Escalade. An Escalade. Not suspicious A rented Escalade with, you ready for it, people? $500,000 worth of liquor. And then drove it across the country on an on an unannounced route that they wouldn't tell anyone so that they wouldn't get knocked over like lime trucks in the and, cartel days. And they days. stopped only like once or twice. Oh my God. They went all the way they from L.A. It, right? or it doesn't well, they started right? in L.A. Okay. They only made like two stops. It was crazy. So they arrived safely with, with all, all, their, all their liquor and all of their very, very fancy champagne, which is what Nastasia was going for, the fancy champagne. Mm-hmm. But the fun thing about uh, uh, the, this crew is, is they both know so much about the liquors that what well, here's my butt munch move i walk up to him and you know jack's like i want rum i want beep boo and the bee and the boo boo bee bop and so like jack got a very good rum tasting i just look at him i go this i hate choice give me something fun and he did and he did yeah. he gave me something super fun uh he gave me a uh, a flight of mezcals that were all the exact same distillate made at the exact same time aged three different ways. And I was like, isn't it interesting? Like aged in clay underground for different lengths of time and then held in like a larger glass thing for a while. I was like, you know what? That was fun. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know what I mean? And And he gave me something from West Covina. Yeah, because that's where Nastasia is from. Land of Good Burger. May I take your order, please? So like the point is, is that his knowledge of the products and like the deep, the weird kind of deep dive knowledge he has about all these rare and obscure bottles that he's bought 
their provenance, right? The provenance story is always interesting, as well as the story of the individual uh, makers and the stories behind the bottles and the different labelings and how things changed over time makes for a really good experience. So we were like, we woke up this morning, and we we're like, we should have had them on the show. Yeah, but you know what? I was thinking about this. Nastasia was like, we're dumb butts. Why didn't we ask to have yeah. them on the show? But it's they're they're real busy right now. Yeah. They're moving. But you should go tonight because it's the last night and it's fun. Yeah. Right? Now, Nastasia, you did not bring with you. Applehead dolls, right? No. We were going to do classics in the field with Drina Dotson. Applehead dolls. No, we no, missed it last great. week. Yeah, well, it needs a good chunk of time, and we have. So I'll say this: one of the people we met at uh, the Houdini party was uh, David Carp. Carp with a K. And you should look up this guy. He writes for the LA Times periodically, and he has had many different lives over the course of his life, right? Which I, you know, I can uh, sympathize with. And he, uh, you know, he's like a stockbroker, a music producer, but he's now one of the world's preeminent uh, fruit experts. He's like a fruit explorer. What's unusual about carp is that most of the time, uh, pomological experts are either temperate fruit pomologists or uh, tropical fruit pomologists or perhaps specialists like a citrus pomologist. Carp is a lover of all... I'm going to say he's a generalist because generalist usually is pejorative, right? Nastasia has never forgiven me for using the word pejorative with non-English with non-English speakers where I said something that was possibly he said, insulting he said your rotovap is weak and they were like what is what is weak I mean what is weak and Dave was like I, I mean I don't mean it in a pejorative way and they were like what? and I was like Dave if they don't understand the word weak how are they gonna understand pejorative <laughs> anyway terrible. so anyway so uh anyway where was I so uh he has a love of all fruits, so not a generalist, but like deep dive everywhere, which is kind of rare, and of course, something that I really like to see. He actually, uh, you know how uh, Nastasia and I uh, enjoyed dates, and uh, we had, you know, a the listener fruit. listener gave us a bunch of dates, and we used them years ago. Uh, we, he introduced us to, uh, actually we had it before, the bar he dates, so for those of you that don't know dates, it's just a, it's some information about stuff he... Dates go through many ripening uh, stages. Most dates, when they're uh, you know fresh on the on the tree, are uh, too astringent to eat properly, right? Uh, and that's called the kind of the kalal stage. But barhi dates, which were in season for like the one week that we were there, right, are edible in that stage. And he gave us a bunch. They're still slightly astringent, but they're their own kind of. They have kind of like this kind of almost coconutty kind of snap crunch to them. They're they're good. But I kept them and let them go through all the stages at home, all the way from uh, the Kalal to Rutab to um, Tamar, which is like the, the biggest one. And so if you have never done that, it's too late this year uh, to get the Kalal uh, uh, Barhees. But if you can do that next year, get them fresh and then allow them. They won't all ripen properly when they're not on the tree, but allow them to go through the stages and just taste them as they go from that kind of crunchy stage all the way through to their fully sugared stage, and it is an extremely fun experiment to do at home. But related to Applehead dolls, uh, Carp... Always, always. Always related to Applehead dolls. Which, by the way, the very first toy that was ever made was most likely, according to Trina Dodson... Adam and Eve, where Adam and they Eve, had the tree. Yeah. They were Applehead doll aficionados, according to Trina Dodson, but we don't have her book right now. Anyways, uh, the, uh, the book that he said he happens to own... One of, one of, if not the largest, pomological library in private hands, David Karp does. And so when I started talking to him about Applehead dolls, I was like, he did not have a copy of Drina, oh. uh, Drina Dotson's Applehead Dolls for Pleasure and Profit. And so we showed it to him, and he's like, 
good find. <laughs> good find. I'll have to get that. And, and, but, but, he said, I do own an Apple art book called Les Pommes Libertines in French, which we have ordered but don't own yet. So maybe we'll wait till we get it in. But here's how, you all know, if you've ever listened to any Cooking Issues ep- episode, you know how Applehead dolls work. There is... <laughs> A, there is a, uh, like, I guess an 18th century French thing, and they did it also, I think, in, in Asia, but a French thing where what you do is, is you take apples early, early, early. You put a bag around them so the sun never hits them. They grow inside the bag, but they don't color. Then in September, you, uh, you cut the bag open for a couple of days, let it kind of accustom itself to having light without getting blistered. Then you paint gelatin over the whole apple and then put a stencil over it. A pornographic stencil. Well, I was going to get to that. You can do anything, but to be official French, like 18th century French person, it better be highly pornographic. <laughs> it, then it colors up, you remove the stencil, and you have like a yellowish green porno silhouette yeah. on a completely red apple. And you can, if you look up Les Pommes Libertines on the internet, you can see instructions and pictures of this. I don't like any of the modern ones. I think they no. should go, but like the, like what's kind of weird is, is that, you know how there's um, uh, po- like uh, little uh, pores on apples, those yeah. little dots, and those are on the skin of the porno people. Yeah. It's like, it's real weird, it's real creepy. So we're going to try to do that, although it's not really it's too late. in our, also, yeah, yeah, it's too next late. year. But like, next year. We need to find an apple person next year willing to bag up some apples. If you have a tree you are willing to give to us to try this Well, on. if you're close to us, we'll make the stencils. We'll bring the paper bags. It could be either in New York or L.A., a tree. Because. Well, I'm not going to be in. Yeah, but, well, we don't know what. Oh. Anyway. So a couple of things before okay, we. Gotta go. No, before we get kicked off the air. Today, there might still be tickets. I don't know if there are. Mofad is teaming up with Delmonico's restaurant. David Wonderich is coming. The chef from Delmonico's is coming. And they're going to do a sick event at Mofad uh, about kind of the long history of Delmonico's, New York's oldest uh, restaurant name, and like amazing history. You might have heard of such things as the Delmonico steak. Maybe you've heard of the wedge salad, the wedge. So uh, Fabian Vonhowski from Contra Wilder, we were, he, remember he made that eggplant? He made that eggplant like, Remember that? He, he made an eggplant you, hummus. Tell story about and that? I was like, just call it a wedge salad. He's like, hands out this like baba ganoush thing. He's like, wedge salad. Can you tell the story about the two men in two, the suits? Two minutes. Oh, two two minutes. Two men in the suits at the Houdini house. <laughs> next week. Next week. Uh, so anyway, there might still be tickets uh, to that. Go check it out. The Ebony Test Kitchen is now in, uh, is now in, um, in the MOFAD for the African slash American uh, exhibit that we're working on for next year. And people, it is sick. Now, for the classics in the field that I was going to do today, which apparently I don't have time to do, I was going to do, and it's freaking sick, Alexander Kira's classic, The Bathroom. I was going to relate his classic, The Bathroom, printed first in the 60s, late 60s, 67, reissued in 76. I have the 76 version here in front of me, which has... As far as I know, the only detailed study of spatter patterns of urinals with various urinal shapes that I've ever seen. And also, the only document I have seen with full pressure diagrams for different kinds of potties for both male and female users and the correct usage of such. I was going to relate it to Taylorism in the kitchen and the Frankfurt kitchens. But maybe what we'll have to do, maybe we'll have to do a straight up only classics in the field episode 
once where we just yeah, handle Drina, right? we, we handle Alexander Kira, yeah. we handle handle the Frankfurt kitchen, and we ha- handle like uh, Galbraith and Taylorism in the kitchen. All fascinating subjects. I really believe, and I was going to go into a long diatribe about how architects, designers, and cooks need to get together to make the kitchen the kind of place that it can be because how many of you out there are disappointed with your kitchen? If it's not 100%, you're not looking close enough. (laughs) Cooking issues. Cooking issues is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.